Today on Sagittarian Matters, musician Mona Tavacoli joins me to talk about rock camp, social justice, service, and more. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from somewhere in between Portland, Oregon and San Francisco. I am here to give you a public service announcement and to tell you about my own vegan calamities that have happened this month. Here's my PSA. Watch out. Mercury retrograde is upon us. And in my case, it has not affected my business affairs one bit. However, what it has affected is my ability to go a single day without getting tricked into eating something that's not vegan. Let me explain. If you're a listener to the show, you may recall a few weeks ago, I ate what I thought was a pizza crumb off the counter in my home. It was, in fact, a defrosted and then mildly rancid piece of meat meant for the dog. And that was in my mouth. Okay, I started the clock over. 22 years of veganism down the drain. Give me my 24-hour chip. Then, On the 4th of July, I was at a barbecue hosted by vegetarians. Somebody very near and dear to me came over with what looked to be a hamburger. I didn't even look at it because it was a hamburger. But somebody else came up and intervened and said, Hey, I think that's a Beyond Burger because the hosts are vegetarians. So my sweetheart went over to the hosts, said, What's up with this burger? They said, Oh, that's a Beyond Burger. And I was like, Cool. Wow. They really can do crazy things with technology nowadays, can't they? And so I took a giant bite of the quote-unquote Beyond Burger. You're never going to guess the end of this, listeners. It wasn't a Beyond Burger. Somebody ran up five minutes later after I had already eaten a bite and said, Oh, wait. No, sorry. That one is a real real burger made of an actual animal. Uh, Everything else is a Beyond Burger, but there's like two or three real burgers floating around. And... um, you know, I don't know. What are you going to, what are you going to do? I wasn't going to like go make myself barf. It just had already happened. I just could sit there and say, oh, that was a bummer. And can I say it didn't taste that great in case you were, you know, sometimes people are former vegans and they're like, I had a piece of meat and like, I felt alive again after so many years. And I didn't feel that way. I just felt gross. Okay. Fast forward to today. You know, I like coffee. I had a single, a single little tube of intelligentsia freeze-dried coffee that I was saving for a special occasion on the road. I was in Portland, Oregon at the Tin House Summer Workshop about to give a process talk at 9 o'clock in the morning. I was tired, I was nervous, and it was time for me to have this intelligentsia coffee instead of the cafeteria coffee. So I poured it in my mug in my little kitchen in the dorms. I put my hot water in. It smelled wonderful. I went to the fridge to get my almond milk. My almond milk was in a plastic cup because I had taken it from a different dorm that had a more fully stocked refrigerator. So I had this cup of almond milk. I poured it in my coffee. I drank a swig of my coffee. The intelligentsia smells and tastes wonderful. However, there's a strange and funky aftertaste in the back of my throat when I take my swig of coffee. And it takes my tired brain a minute to put together. I think, God, it's so weird. It almost tastes like dairy something's weird about this. And I look in the fridge and I realize my doormate, um, this guy, Joe, who has a podcast called Food for Thought, T-H-O-T, he had done the same trick that I did with the plastic cup, except he had brought half and half over from the other dorm room. And so I had put his half and half in my intelligentsia coffee. Thus, I could not drink this coffee any longer. Nobody was even around for me to give it to. I just had to pour it down the drain and sadly go back to the cafeteria coffee before my big talk. Listeners, this has never happened to me before. I'm not easily tricked. It's been 22 years. I know know how to tell things apart, but in this day and age of impossible burgers and beyond burgers and all manner of weird tech companies making fake meat that looks like real meat, it's just... Watch yourselves out there, okay? Stay safe, stay cynical, and uh, just 
truly, truly watch out this Mercury retrograde barbecue season so that you do not fall down the same path I do. And if you see a pizza crumb on your counter, you know, just do an inspection and make sure it's not a piece of ground meat that you're meant to feed a dog. Anyway, thank you for listening to this PSA and enjoy the episode. Mona Tavacoli is a touring musician and the co-director of Rock Camp for Girls LA, a social justice organization dedicated to empowering girls through music. I first met Mona at the Portland Rock Camp many years ago where she was a volunteer. When Mona is not wearing a pizza beret at Rock Camp, she's drumming and touring with her band Raining Jane, Jason Mraz, and the legendary Persian singer Ebby. Mona shreds so hard on the cajon that she has her own cajon a signature drum. Look it up. There's so many videos of her drumming on the internet. Okay, I want to talk about Rock Camp. The Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in general seeks to amplify the voices of girls for social change. You can be involved even if you're not a musician. And it is one of the girl-focused spaces in the world that I know of that has remained truly inclusive throughout the duration of its existence. Um, I joined Mona on her couch to talk about camp the importance of lifting up girls, each other, and ourselves. Please enjoy my talk with the venerable Mona Tavacoli. Mona Tavacoli, do you agree to tell me just a little bit about your astrological sign, and then we can get to talking about rock camp? One, two, I agree. Mona do you agree to tell me how people who are not musicians can be involved in mentoring at the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls? One, two, I agree. Okay, one more. Mona, do you agree to take a big sip of this root beer poo air <laughs> adaptogenic tea and tell me your real thoughts about it? One, two, I agree. I agree and I say yes. I agree to do my best. Yes. Woo! Mona, welcome to Sagittarian Matters. Such an honor, Nicole. Thanks for having me. We have a huge spread here, I just want to say. Yeah. We have smoothies. We have coffees. We have berries. And we have adaptogenic tea that you have agreed <laughs> on tape. It's called Poo Air. Poo Air Root. Yeah, and it has um, the smell of root beer spices. And, and the taste of one big mushroom. Ah, turkey tail, reishi, and more. We did try it on the podcast the other day. Yeah. But somebody wrote me on Instagram and said that they bought it based on our tasting and that wow. they kind of liked it. I, you are a, a trendsetter? Um, I want to... Influencer. You're... I want to say I'm not trying to segue to the first time we met, but I want to tell everybody that oh. at the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in Portland, Oregon, yeah. at a time... Um, STS, her, her grandmother had made a pillow or had a pillow that had like, um, like an English setter, like a dog on it. And the dog was wearing wraparound sunglasses and a bandana around its head. And it had a flannel wrapped around its waist and it said trend setter oh underneath the, oh my God. Do you remember that pillow? No. It was on the couch in like the room. And so whenever I hear people say the words trendsetter, I think about this dog that had, had like a puka shell necklace around one of its what? wrists and the flannel wrapped around its waist was really funny. Can you recreate that? I could try. Via sketching? I could sketch it. I feel like I need to see the original though because the original was magnifique. But I would love to have your interpretation today. Of trendsetter? Of, of yesteryear's trendsetter. Yeah. I could try. Okay. I could try my best. I mean, I just got a targeted ad for Jinko jeans, the giant, giant rollerblader pants <laughs> from the 90s. And so I feel like it's not far off. Okay, well, I'm, I hope you buy them because they knew who they were targeting. It makes me really sad that I got that. Why? I think that's amazing. Really? Like, I just want to know what you're looking at, and that helps me figure it out. I... <laughs> I'm not sure, but I do want to say there's a shaved cat walking around with a beautiful lion's head. Beautiful head of a lion. Yeah, it's called a lion's cut. It's a summer cut, you know? He's got a summer cut. He's looking good. He's yeah. not feeling that fine, but he's looking good. <laughs> he got washed. He's not feeling it. Mona Tavacoli. Yeah, Nicole J. Who are you? Who am I? Um, I am a daughter of two Iranian immigrants. I was born and raised in San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. 
I ran for sixth grade vice president and lost to mm. a fourth grader. <laughs> um, I joined the jazz band, played a little drums. Never really learned how to play jazz drums, but had a great attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, joined the Leland High School basketball team oh. freshman year. Oh. Um, sat on the bench most of the time, mm. but one most spirited mm-hmm. freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Subsequently decided to quit basketball and focus my attention on speech and debate. Mm. Was a speech and debate state champion. Mm-hmm. Then became a speech and debate coach after my university days at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Majored in economics and communications. Oh. And um, I have a lot of hobbies. You're leaving out an important thing that you were a mascot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned this in my research. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's a, that's a tremendous fun fact. I loved, I loved being the mascot. What were you? I was Josie Bruin. And a Bruin is a baby bear. Already adorable, but then I was the girl bear. I was Josie Bruin, Uh and there was also Joe Bruin. Okay, and we were—I don't know—close cousins. Um, No, I think we were boyfriend and girlfriend. Did you have a bow on your head or something? Is that how they Uh, could tell? Hundred percent, I had a bow on my head. And actually, I—I don't know if you found this out in your research, but I was dating Joe Bruin. No, I did not know that. Yes, this is a little extra. Yes, this extra tidbit. John Vasquez and I fell in love through the meshy furry eyes oh my god well you had something in common that no one else in the world (laughs) had in common very specific lane for our love language when you go to like a disneyland now Mm. are you looking for those eye holes like do you have feel a kinship with the mascot with the face characters there or the i mean the costume characters there yeah 100 percent. i'm always thinking about them like are they hydrated enough what does it smell like in the suit Mm-hmm. Do they need a break? Just general. You know, one of the another fun fact about being the mascot was I was the mascot for two years, and without fail, any time I would take a photo with somebody, I would smile under the suit. Of course. And it was just, I loved it. I felt like, you know what? I'm also a part of this photo. Isn't that a weird thing? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Your energy was part of the photo. Yeah. Do you have a... <laughs> Mona, let's bring it back. Let's bring it up to present day. <laughs> who is Mona? Who is I, Mona? Can't, I can't wait to <laughs> listen to this in the future and be like, is that who I am? I don't know. I listen to a lot of Pema Chodron. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I journal every day. I am mm. a part of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls Los Angeles. Um, who am I? You're, I don't know. You're a traveling musician. I'm a traveling musician. And are you executive director? What are you? I'm a co-director. You're a co-director. Of Rock Camp for Girls. Yeah. Yeah. I designed a drum that people can buy in the world. People could buy a Mona Cajon. Yeah. Some people like to call it a Mona Cajona, if really? you will. No. That's I, just I my will. one friend calls no. it that. I'm happy to. <laughs> Mona, we need, let's back it up. When did we meet? Where did Ooh. we meet? This is so fun. I love Nicole G so much. For those of you listening and also love Nicole G. Very much appreciate that. We, we met in Portland, Oregon, mm-hmm. 2005. Mm-hmm. And we were both volunteering at the rock camp in Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And Nicole is like, just a, you know, the coolest cat around. And I was so happy to know you and get to know your art at camp through the zine workshops. Mm. And you were just such a joyful, lovely person to know in the Portland camp. And I came back probably two or three times. Yeah. And you were a mainstay. I felt I felt so happy to see you there. Same. Yeah. I was That's like, so nice. Thanks. Oh my god, totally. Aww. You were like a highlight. Thank you. I was like, oh, there's Mona. But I liked seeing you at camp. But you went on to make your own camp. Yeah. You but I feel like you made it bigger and better. Wow. What was your, how did you find out about Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in the first place? And can you quickly tell us what is Rock and Roll Camp for Girls for yes. people that don't, people who are listening and they're like, I'm not a girl. I'm not a little girl. <laughs> what, what interest do I have in this? <laughs> okay. Um, Rock and Roll Camp for Girls LA is a nonprofit social justice organization dedicated to empowering girls mm-hmm. through music education. Um, I found out about Rock Camp through Venus Zine. 
Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Actually, my co-founder and co-director, Becky Gebhardt, who I was in a band with at the time, um, we actually, Becky and I, went to the first Lady Fest oh. in Olympia, Washington. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In what, I don't even know what year that was. I don't, I couldn't tell you. 1904 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, great. So Becky and I were just, Becky really opened my eyes up to the whole um, Kill Rockstar scene and that whole Olympia music that was like, whoa, I've never heard this before. And this is when she was like writing to Venus Zine with a check and they were like, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you were, yeah. To subscribe? Yeah, to subscribe. Mm-hmm. And so Becky had Venus Zine and then one day showed me this picture in Venus Zine that was like an, a little squad of like 20 girls holding guitars and we both were like, oh, this is so cool. At the time we were in Raining Jane, which is all women. <clears throat> Already we were in a band together and we just, we both were doing programming in the dorms. Mm-hmm. So we both went to UCLA oh, yeah. and Becky was a program assistant, a PA, and I was an RA, which is a resident assistant, but we both were responsible for community building mm-hmm. and programming. And Becky and I did a collaborative program in our dorm called Sticks and Picks. Oh. And I taught drums and she taught guitar. Cool. So like the OG dorm rock camp. Yeah. Um, and this is before we knew anything about Portland Rock Camp. So Becky and I had been doing programming, community building already as friends. We were in a band together. And then she showed me this picture of these girls and we're like, this is so cool. We should get involved. We should yeah. go up there. And so we sent a telegram. We sent, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Telegram. So good. So we, we drove from LA to Portland one summer. Just a chill 16 hours. Just a chill. It was to go work for free. Becky and I have a really lovely, deep friendship. And we are so down to go do, like, have adventures together. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the adventures we've had in our life. There's other duo trips we've done um but this was really special trip because we went to portland we had no idea what to expect becky and i at that time i think this was like oh gosh yeah 2005 right yeah Yeah. um i think raining jane had just gotten signed um or had signed a endorsement deal with fender and they were really supporting they loved that we were doing it all ourselves we Mm -hmm. had booked this hundred show tour bought a van we're like promoting it ourselves and they're like yes we want to endorse you this is so cool and yeah for fender being such a big company and like you know we were so excited and proud that they could see the potential and kind of what we were doing and our independence and all that stuff it was a really cool time yeah so we told them hey we're gonna go volunteer at this camp in portland um can you know is there any gear that you want to donate or whatever we ended up getting the portland camp like 20 guitars oh my god and 15 bases and like a bunch of cables and i never knew this yeah so becky and i were already coming in with like hey we want to be of service we want to be help support this awesome endeavor yeah and so um we came in and it was really cool i mean i met some of the some friends that I've had forever now. For, yeah. You know, like 15 years. Yeah. How long is that? 14, yeah. 15 14, years. Yeah. yeah. It's hard because I feel like I talk about things from then and I, it feels ancient, but yeah. I don't actually feel like I'm a million years old. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've known that person for 19 years. Yeah. Or like, oh, I met Mona like 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah. And yet I don't feel like we have aged 15 years, even yeah. though it's been, I mean, I, I, there's nothing, I'm not anti-aging. I love aging, but I also, there's, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm still feeling young and active. And yet there's things I've been doing now that I've been doing for like 25 years, <laughs> like making zines, you know, since totally. I was 13. And so I've been making zines for like 25 years. Yeah. I, well, the way that I always imagine it with the time and like feeling like, whoa, that was so long ago is that that experience is giving me so much support Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for all those years of experience, even though, and we're so young still, we're so vibrant and we're so energetic and we're doing great work and we're connecting with youth because we are youthful. 
Yeah. You know, I mean. We have youthful spirits. Totes. But also I think, I mean, for me, and it seems the same for you, especially hearing about you and Becky, what you're doing in the dorms. Yeah. But I have all these things because I've always had the same path or wanted the same thing. And whether or not I was getting paid for that thing, I was always still doing that thing. I just had to be open to however my life was. I just kept doing the same thing. And I didn't have my ego attached to it as far as like money or whatever, you know? So it's like, I was like, I'm going to continue working at a coffee shop or a call center or delivering dog food or whatever the thing is while I do this organizing stuff or this volunteering. I love a volunteer job. I love not getting paid for something. (laughs) The, the, well, like if I could pay you for the experience of working at a place, that is actually my ideal. Oh my God. You're so sweet. Today's episode is brought to you by Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, and Christy Herrett. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. I love rock camp so much. It's hard to describe. Part of one of our goals in the podcast today, one of our challenges is to try and crystallize in some way for people what it means to be a camp or how it feels to be a camp. And and I want to kind of encourage them to get up in their local camps. Ooh, I love it. But I feel like at camp, I leave, and it's like a kid coming home from band camp. Just like ta- I just like talking about it incessantly, trying to get everyone around me to understand. Everyone that doesn't go, yeah. just like proselytizing, yeah. just like anything. Showing them videos, telling me about my kids, playing yeah. recordings of my kids singing their songs a cappella. Like it's a it's an experience unlike any other. But so you guys came to camp, yeah, I'm coming okay. back, yeah, you and Becky. So Becky and I went. Yeah, we were. Um, it was really challenging because there. You know, it's really a space that you're supposed to create Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to bring yourself and there's not a ton of direction. At that time, anyway, in 2005, there wasn't a ton of direction. And so I felt a little bit Uh loosey-goosey and just had to keep convincing myself, um, I just have to share what I know. There's nothing else I need to do. And that was a great lesson for me because a lot of times we feel like we have to know more in order to do whatever that thing is we're excited about doing or trying or sharing. But exactly who you are right now, what you know right now, that's all we ask is just show up as Nicole yeah. and be in the space. And that's what you do so beautifully. And I think it's a real inspiration to other volunteers when you're there because you totally understand, like, I'm just going to be Nicole and I'm going to thrive and there's nothing else I need to do. Um, so we did that. We did the camp. By Saturday, we were hooked because uh-huh. you know it feels like an impossible task. Monday through Friday to get these kids who have never played an instrument before to learn an instrument and learn how to team build and communicate with other kids and then perform. The amount of compromise that occurs is like mind blowing because how do we do it as adults? It's like, you're constantly like, Oh, okay. Can I compromise? But you're then witnessing little girls trying to compromise with straight people that were strangers a couple days before. Yes. And then by Saturday they're going to perform this thing. So there's a goal. There's a tangible goal of this thing. And by Saturday, you just are taking a deep breath of accomplishment with however many other people are in that space with you. And it's, it's so electrifying because you've done this thing together. That's good. Yeah. You've done a thing. That's not just about creating a piece of art that's fresh and brand new and, and unique to the world, but you've also, um, helped, young people feel safe. You've helped young people communicate and collaborate. You've, the only thing we've asked of you is to be yourself. So you've gotten to be yourself in a space that's welcoming that all week. And then on Saturday, you're sharing it with your community. There's that last step of like, and also here, look what we do together. Yeah. I think I totally get the, the, um, joyful, exuberance and relief and high from this thing that's like wow in one week we were able to do that yeah and then as a volunteer you want to go back into your own life and say what what else could i be doing 
to bring this level of joy in my own life? How can I communicate better with my friends, with my partner, with my employer? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I be myself more in those spaces? How can mm-hmm. I allow other people to feel that way? Yeah. You know, it's not just um, sharing with the young people. And I've never said young people so much in my life, right. by the way. With the kids, you know, with the kids. With our fellow young people. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I keep saying it like that. Like I'm a hundred. Um, but you're of service. You're helping them, paving the way for them to be their best selves and good sisters to each other. And also you're paving the way for yourself to be even more yourself and even more connected in your own life. I think there's like win, 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 win. Yeah. You know? I want to yes and that and say part of the thing about camp and like the acceptance of you showing up with everything you have is whoever goes there for the most part, in my experience, everyone who shows up as a volunteer is a role model for those kids. And I think a lot of people that show up that, you know, they're their gender presentations different, yes. their body size is different. They have tattoos. They're like a dirt bag, like this or that. The other. You know, like there's like crusty punks that volunteer there. Totally. There's like moms that volunteer. There's across the spectrum. But a lot of those people have been the message from the society is like, no, you're not, you're not a role model. You're not the kind of person that we think of when we think of a role model for kids, yeah. but you show up at rock camp and it's like, no, you definitely are. Oh like gosh. you're like a cool, responsible adult who's giving back. Yeah. Even if it's just this one week of your life, you are a role model. And like the kid that needs to see you will see you. Ooh. So like if you are like mega butch, if you're covered in tattoos, if yeah. you have a mohawk, if yeah. you, you know, your size large, your size small, your size five, eight, like anything, like the kids will see you and be like, oh my God, I can exist this way and be okay. And there's an adult who's like still alive and happy and other adults are supporting them yeah. and loving them. And like, maybe that means I can grow up and be that way and be loved and not have to change myself to be a different way. I love that. I never thought about it that way until you were just saying that. I love that. But I think as a dirtbag, for me, which is kind of how I identified, like when I walking into that space, I think that that was like a little bit of a self-esteem builder for me to be like, oh, I could be a role model for these kids oh just God. as I am. You know, like my clothes were like stapled together. <laughs> you know, like when I met you for sure, I yeah. had clothes that were like stapled together. I just would like draw over a stain with a Sharpie, oh you know, like my hair was kind of like, I definitely had like maybe a scab on the back of my head from ratting my hair so much from having a bouffant <laughs> or a dreadlock underneath Whoa. my bouffant because I ratted it so much. <laughs> this is before I met Beth Ditto who told me to get fake hair oh. as my bouffant instead of ratting Brilliant. my own hair. Go Beth. Pro tip. That's a... That's a hot tip. That is a hot tip. Yeah. We do that at camp. Yeah, hot tip. When we get a hot tip from a returning camper or a returning volunteer, that's a hot tip. So yeah. that's that's Mona putting her finger to the hot... The hot flame. The hot flame of the, the tip. I want to say, and we talked about this before we started recording the podcast, but if you want to be at camp, we want you to be at camp. Like... There's so many places in the world that are elite, exclusive, where I don't feel welcome. And I felt like, oh, I want a place in LA where everybody can be there if they want to be there. And I know camp's not for everybody. But if you want to be in an inclusive space that wants to celebrate humanity and friendship and collaboration and has a goal of creating art in the world and has I feel like the vibration is so high at camp because yeah. everybody who is there wants to be there. And I feel like that you should try that. If you've ever thought, oh, you know what? That sounds like something I'd be interested in. Try it. Yeah. And it's okay if it's not for you. No one will be offended if you just did that one year of camp mm-hmm. and we never saw you again. I would still be your friend. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it's not for everybody. But it's such a special place and you won't understand it until you spend a week in that saturating yourself in the goodness yeah. and the struggle and the chaos and the challenge. Oh, it's yeah. all so beautiful, but know at the end of the day, you're probably going to have a delicious meal and a, a cooling towel to put on your forehead. Yeah. Oh, you get, you get coffee, you get, coffee. You get snacks. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I think that people are going to start beating down your door once they tell them what happens. <laughs> There's pizza at the orientation. Sure There's lunch every day. Yeah. I mean, at the Portland Rock Camp, I was just like, 
STS, if you just give me free coffee, if you have soy creamer here every day, I'll just come and work for free forever. (laughs) I was like, if you have almond butter that I can eat and coffee with soy creamer, that's all I, I feel very taken care of. I feel, I feel great coming here. Yeah. We want to, well, taking care of our volunteers is like my top priority. I feel like if we can make sure people feel cared for, um, then we can really build a beautiful container for the campers. Because we have to take care of each other mm-hmm. and then create a space where these campers can come in and also feel feel cared for. It's really cool. But Mona, you guys came to camp. Yeah. Oh, go back. Three years? We went to Portland camp probably three or four. Yeah, three. Three, three or times. four years. Yeah. I mm-hmm. saw you every year. Yeah. Always happy to see you. I think I had no idea where you lived in the world. I just knew that like I just you just appeared. Oh, yeah. You guys just appeared yeah. in this. There are some people that are just like, I just see them at this space and then who knows what happens the rest of the year. Yeah. But I was like, I definitely knew you guys were in a band, Rainy and Jane. Yeah. But I don't think, I was like, oh, maybe I remember you live in LA. Anyway, but I just remember like that was the one special place I got to see you because I never went to LA. Right. You know, that's like a magical place. Like what happens down there? But you guys made your own camp. Yeah. So then in, in LA, what made you be like, okay, Portland, we see you and yeah. we are going to. Your own version of this. Yes. I think in 2005 when Becky and I went, it was a total no-brainer for us that this would be so special in Los Angeles because of the music scene. And um, I think at the time we were touring full-time. So it was like, this is in the back of our head. We're going to do this. In 2008, Rainy Jane took a break from touring and we really started focusing on the LA camp. Mm -hmm. And then we reached out. And we hosted like some gatherings to see if there's other people interested. And that's where we met Beth, mm-hmm. the mayor of Awesome Town. Oh. And a lot of other people that ended up being on our first year founding team. Where did Beth come from? Mayor Beth come from? She lives in LA and was, I think, had been to ladies camp mm-hmm. in Portland. Oh. And was like, yes, I think this should be in LA. Um, so cool. She's so wonderful. But in Raining Jane, had all vo- we had all volunteered at the Portland camp one year. We played at lunch mm-hmm, at the Portland mm-hmm. camp. I remember seeing you shred, shred on the cajon. Whoa, thanks. I mean, maybe that probably happened more than once. But or maybe it just happened when Raining Jane played. But yeah. I remember it was like, it was the end of the day. It was All the lights were off because it was really hot outside. They're trying to cool down the room. And all yeah. the kids are just watching you. And your hair is just like <laughs> going bonkers. Your hair is going berserk as you're just like shredding on the cajon. And the kids were like, oh. like you could see their brains being like... <laughs> Just like melting out of their heads. Oh, well, thanks. You're welcome. I hope they survived that rock camp. They, I mean, we patched them up. We patched them up. The... With that stapler yeah, that yeah, you yeah. used on your dress. Yeah. Yeah, that was so special to be a part of that Portland camp. And then we, when we thought, okay, we're going to start in L.A., it was like, okay, cool. There's, here's a ground, like a foundational idea of a girl space an inclusive space, um, and then how do we make it our own? Mm-hmm. How do we use what we do and who we are to make this camp sustain itself? Because if you're trying to do something that someone else did, mm-hmm. it's not going to go very far because you're trying to follow in their footsteps. But it mm-hmm. felt like if we can be true to ourselves, this might be something of value to our community because it'll be authentic. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's the whole thing that we're trying to yeah do. It feels authentic. Yeah, thanks. It feels so particular to you, and it's so special in a totally different way. Yes, thank you, thank you for saying that because Portland was so incredible and special because of the leadership there. Mm-hmm. I mean, those years that we were coming, it was like Winner and STS and, and Marisa and oh Claudia. Oh my gosh! If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline nine seven one three six one nine 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 eight. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Friend of the show, Beth Pickens, had a question for you, which was, how do you balance being a touring musician and a co-director of a nonprofit that has a billion moving parts? Uh, First of all, shout out to friend of the podcast, Beth Pickens. Can't wait to meet you. Um... Great question. It, I think part of it is that camp means so much to me. 
and making this, helping create this space means so, so much to me that we're working year round on rock camp, even when we're on tour. Yeah. And being a touring musician in the world means a lot to me too, because I love performing. I love playing music with my friends. I love playing drums and percussion. I love singing. I love meeting people in the world. So that really means a lot to me too. And I do think it's important that as a woman of color, as a woman playing the drums, like I want to be out in the world and mm-hmm. I want to be playing and I want to be representing in that way. And so doing both feels like it's serving the same thing. Like being at camp is serving my community at home. And then being a touring musician, I feel like I'm going out there and being represented a representative of a woman playing drums. Mm-hmm. So all of it's in the same direction of being true to myself and sharing and connecting and collaborating with my bandmates or collaborating with my team of people putting on camp. Mm -hmm. It's all the same thing. It's the same Mona Mm -hmm. um, wanting to do good in the world and share. Yeah. Is that a good answer, Beth? That's a great answer. Please let me know. Should let you know. um, Beth, if you could please let me know if that was okay. Call her up. (laughs) 555. B-E-T-H. B-E-T-H. Yeah. Hold on. I'm looking at my notes. Okay, cool. Um, do people need to play music to be involved in the rock and roll camp for girls? Absolutely not. We have probably half of our volunteers are musicians or know about music and the other half are just amazing people. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the people that play music are not amazing. You have some so-so people that are great at instruments and then you have some amazing people that don't play a damn thing omg no um you just don't you just have to want to be at camp and you have to understand that the heart and soul of this program is role modeling it's about being um being yourself and sharing space with other people and wanting to hold space for girls to feel safe and express themselves if that's the case please come please come and work with us we had 84 campers last session, and we had 87 volunteers. I love that. Isn't that the best? At a certain point, we really did have a one-to-one ratio in my room because yeah. our band needed a little extra support. Yeah. And so at that certain point, there was like one person next to the drummer being like, a one and a two. <laughs> and there was somebody next to the keyboards. There's some next to the guitarist, yeah. some next to the bassist. I was in the hallway with the singer. Like mm-hmm. we all, every kid, if they have a need... It's there, you know, like some kids are like, we got it. You guys leave the room even because we're teens and we're going to write our own song. And then some kids are younger and they're like, we need more support with our instruments, with getting along, with moving forward with the song. And then people show up for that. And how lucky are we that we can provide that? Mm -hmm. It's so cool. And the kind of people talking about um, the kind of people that come, it's, I feel so lucky that our volunteer base Mm -hmm. is so richly diverse And so, um, but everybody kind of has the same heart. Yeah. There's something about a rock camp volunteer that comes year after year that is just like heart of gold. And I really mean this with my, yeah, with my whole heart, with your whole golden heart, (laughs) with my whole golden heart. It's crazy. Like you look at how beautiful our volunteer base is at camp. And I'm like, oh, how do I show our community at the showcase that we have such beautiful volunteers and Chaska, one of our volunteers and also my bandmate Mm -hmm. was like, we need to get each volunteer to show their face on stage at the, at the showcase Mm -hmm. so that people know. I'm like, yes, I'm so proud of our volunteers. People need to see these beautiful souls that are dedicating their week to, to creating this, to making our girls feel good and safe. And so we just did that at the Teragram, mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't have felt more proud. Oh, my God. Every time we announced the name and, like, what these people did, I was like, yeah. And it, everyone's so excited. Yeah. We need to honor our people. You need to yeah. honor people that are doing good work in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. How do you personally ground yourself? Because you give so much energy. Like, you're giving energy on stage. You're giving energy to your volunteers. You're giving energy to the kids. Like, you're giving energy throughout your life. How do you ground yourself and stay, like, just in line with your own bigger picture? Thanks for acknowledging that in me. Because I really, I love being of service and I love 
being high energy at camp or yeah. whatever that is. Like, I know it's a self-perpetuating battery at some point where you're like, I'm more hyped, I'm more hyped. But then I know that there's also, because I know like for me and some people I know, I'm kind of an extroverted introvert where I have all this energy I give out. And at the end of the day, I have to go like sit and stare at a wall and just recharge (laughs) and be like, what's left for me? Totally. I, um, I do cry a lot, Mm -hmm. which I think is, um, one of my more beautiful things about myself. I'm just kidding. Can we, Chris, can you cut that out again? <laughs> no, I do cry a lot. Um, I'm very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I journal every morning. I do something called a heart dump. What's that? I set my timer for five minutes mm-hmm. and I just go stream mm-hmm. of consciousness. And that really helps. Is it stuff like your feelings that you woke up with or dreams or to-do lists or All troubles or what? It's whatever is coming to my brain. Mm-hmm. So every day is different. Like two days ago, it was a definitely a to-do list because mm-hmm. I woke up like, oh, yeah. update website, yeah. you know? <laughs> and then um, like today was, a, I, I just wrote independence and then it went off into because oh. it's independence day yeah, today, yeah. 4th of July. And then it went into like codependence, interdependence, you know, mm-hmm. reverence, whatever. That was stream of consciousness, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. I just read you my journal. Just for five minutes. <laughs> just for, yeah. And just for five minutes is like, I can do that. Yeah. Um, I do. I drink my lemon water every morning oh. and then I coffee and I work out and working out, I go to yoga or go to the everybody gym mm-hmm. in Glassell Park which is a badass social justice gym. I'm sure everybody on your podcast knows about it. Um, I love being in that space. That I feel so proud to work out there. And that really helps. I read and, I'm, and I meditate too. So mm-hmm. all of those things is like setting myself up for success so that when I'm in um, spaces that are challenging emotionally, I can stay grounded and calm. Do you do that stuff even while camp's happening? Oh my gosh, totally. Really? Yes. What time do you wake up? Um, We're getting in the nitty gritty here. Yeah, totes. So I have to be at camp. Camp starts at 10 a.m. every day, but we have to be there by 8 Mm a.m. to open the doors and get breakfast started and get the camper front desk ready and everything. So then I wake up probably like 5.30, go to the everybody gym. Mm -hmm. I bathe, you know, get ready, do all my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My ritual stuff, yeah. which is the yeah. lemon water, coffee, Is that journal. when you go to bed at like 9.30? Girl, I love going to sleep early. How early? What's the earliest you've gone to sleep lately? During camp? Yeah. 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? 9 a.m.? 9 a.m. 9, 9 p.m. I like that. Dude, I love grandma style early nights. Mm. I love it. Mm. I, I love like morning, but I'm a morning person. I yeah. love the morning, so. I like this. Yeah. I like this. Um I want to know, you personally seem like you have some kind of like, like I want to know anything about what makes Mona Mona as far as like, do you have like slogans or like mottos or like some kind of, because like there's always stuff around camp, like the four agreements, like there's different stuff around camp that I'm like, camp feels good and it feels like a healthy nonprofit that's trying to reach for the best in everybody and kind of giving people in one week here Mm -hmm. just a little bit of instruction on how to be your best self while you're there, like some suggestions. Yeah. Like what do you follow or what do you... What kind of, are there any kind of like guiding principles of your life above and beyond just service? Yeah. Well, I have always thought that everything makes you more, mm-hmm. nothing makes you less. Mm-hmm. And that idea helps when something shitty happens and I feel disrespected or I didn't get an opportunity I was excited about or something bad happens at camp. I mm-hmm. always just think, how are we going to use this experience to make our camp better mm-hmm. or help help our lives grow or expand? Mm-hmm. I really feel like it keeps me in a positive or hopeful state mm-hmm. because there's so much bullshit that happens. And I, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm choosing that every day. Like yeah. I... And I really feel it and I believe it. Yeah. And I also feel like I, the idea of like we belong to each other, mm-hmm. like community matters to me so much and I want to be a great friend 
to anybody that wants to be a friend. You know, at camp, we always say, if you need a friend, be a friend. I think that's really valuable to take into life. Yeah, I do too. And that's how, that's how I operate is mm-hmm. like, if I ever feel sad because I'm disconnected from a friend or anything or anybody, I always think, oh, how can I be a friend of that person? Mm-hmm. As opposed to why aren't they reaching out to me? Mm-hmm. That's also something my dad used to tell me all the time. Really? Was like, don't ever, when somebody calls you after a very long time, don't ever treat them like, um, oh, you finally called. Always be, he was t- telling me this as a kid. Yeah. Always be happy when somebody reaches out to you. Don't ever make people feel bad because it's been a long time. And I always used to think about that because I'm such a sensitive person. Yeah. But I always, as an adult, flipped it on, oh, if I need a friend, I should be a friend to somebody. And I think I have really beautiful friendships in my life because of that. I'm really lucky. I have such an incredible circle of friends. Mona, this is lovely. (laughs) It's lovely. I just feel like anybody listening to this, even if they were like, I'm going to learn about the rock and roll camp for girls, they're getting a little more than what they paid for when they walked in the Sagittarian Matters door. Do you have any questions for me? And I did forget to ask you about your astrological sign. Oh, I'm a Libra. I just found out all my rising things. What is it? I have a Leo moon. Oh, oh yeah. And I have a Scorpio rising. Oh. How sexy. So sexy. <laughs> and when I just had a reading with somebody. You're a beautiful handwriting. Oh, thank you so much. And my fr- And the person that read my chart said to me, the thesis of your chart is powerful, transformative leadership. I don't disagree with them. Hey. They didn't even nice. know you when they said all this, right? Well, she, she knows me. Actually. It was my mom. Just kidding. Really? It wasn't my mom. It wasn't my mom. It's my friend. Um, this is, but, but this is true. That's all true. I felt so delighted by that. Oh, my God. What, what a, a powerful, transformative <laughs> leadership. Is that what she said? Yeah. Like, that, so honored by that. That's, that's how I feel about you. How do you have any last questions for me? So nice, but beautiful and talented. And I love how diverse your artistic expression is. You do podcasts, you do books, you teach classes, you do zines. I could go on and on, but you're so talented. Thank you, Mona. Thank you for including me in this expression oh my gosh thanks for hosting a space for like the best vibes of the summer oh my god too by the way based on your powerful transformative leadership Ooh. okay do i have questions for you yeah Yeah. um do you think you'll participate in our ladies rock camp program uh i would love to volunteer in some way at the ladies rock camp program so Yes. yes the answer is yes great can i tell you more about that before you uh... i really would like to know what people could expect if they come to that. Yeah. Are you saying to me that if somebody was listening to this and they said, I wish rock and roll camp for girls existed when I was a kid, I don't know how to play an instrument, but yeah. it sounds so fun. Yeah. Are you telling me that there's an experience those people could have that's similar to what the girls have? Yes. And the person could be a lady means what? Anyone over 18? Yes. Who identifies as a female. Oh, can we quickly talk about how Rock Camp's inclusive? Yes. For once, I forgot about this. Of course. Yeah. We're in a time when a lot of women-only spaces have gone away because there's been some very uptight leadership that hasn't been inclusive, Mm -hmm. that's been like dying on the hill of what they say a woman is. And so Rock Camp is one place that I think has started and remained inclusive through its entirety, through every Rock Camp that I've ever heard of. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I I think just going back to the idea of if you want to be there, I want you to be there. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a split. (laughs) It is. It's a place. Um, It's a space that belongs to us and we create it. And so... If you understand the values of what we're trying to accomplish at camp, you are welcome. So it's we're I'm so proud and so grateful that we've been able to navigate that that thing, but it's really simple to me and Becky and Beth. And we just think if you want to be here, please be here. Mm-hmm. So I love that word. You okay, are, you are invited. Please join us. Come support a showcase and see what that feels like. When is this going to go live? week or two okay great 
didn't know if we should invite people to the Troubadour. Let's invite them to the Troubadour and see what happens. This okay. may drop fri- next Friday, okay. and the Troubadour show is on Saturday. Yeah. And if you miss that, you can go to the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls YouTube page, which has really great videos of a lot of the kids playing and also music videos made by campers oh for God. professional adult bands. Yeah. But I want to know if you're an adult and you're excited about an inclusive woman focused space and you wish you had the rock camp experience what in the heck could you do oh my gosh let me tell you about something called ladies rock camp we haven't done it in two years and we're doing it this fall september 27th through the 29th Mm. at the la college of music Mm -hmm. in pasadena Mm -hmm. it's a two and a half day experience and we will do everything that we do with the girls but condensed version for ladies Mm -hmm. you come in on friday you don't even have to have picked up a drumstick or a guitar in your life. We will give you instrument classes. We'll help you form a band. We'll teach you songwriting. You'll do workshops. You'll have lunch. Oh, my God. People love lunch. You'll have lunch, and it's just like a really beautiful space with other women. Big time risk-taking. And by Sunday, you're going to perform your song at a club in LA and the people that come to support our friends and family community that just believes in this like transformational experience in two and a half days. And a lot of people come to this ladies rock camp just to get love and support and encouragement that they then take into their lives. Mm-hmm. It's like a tonic, like a poo air with, tonic with root beer spices. Exactly. And it's so good. And the money it's like a the tuition that goes to Ladies Rock Camp, we will use as scholarships for our campers. <laughs> Is there a one-to-one ratio? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So for every person that goes to Ladies Rock Camp, one kid who can't afford to go to normal camp gets a scholarship. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's really – that's how we see it. Is a, It's a fundraiser for us. But it's – yeah. I'll tell you more details off air. Wonderful. This sounds really great. And I have to say to people, if you so if you're in your life and you're like, ugh, things feel really low energy, stagnant, I need something different, something new, I really recommend this. When I came to volunteer last year, I had not volunteered for a couple years. And then STS was like, don't be shy. You know Mona. And I was like, certainly I do know Mona. Yeah. And I was having so many troubles in my life. By the way, at the end of each camp, you have this round table where all the new volunteers talk about their experience and everyone starts crying. <laughs> Every person starts crying. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. It could be like the hardest, most hardcore, cynical person who walked in the door and then they're like, God damn it, I love this place. <laughs> <laughs> the end of it. But I just had like, I was having like, I was riding like the harshest bummer of like a breakup and my grandma dying and whatever. And I was just like, I need something. And then I went to rock camp and I got that thing. Mm-hmm. And all of that kind of sorrow, I just transformed to energy that I was giving. And that's what I got back. It just was reflected back at me with like, it was wonderful. All right, Mona. Yes. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Nicole. It's been an honor. Sagittarian Matters. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.